0: Hey everyone, this is Lass Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. And on this week's episode, we only talk a little bit about your 20 and hopefully 52 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I spend more time on Ben Wallace making the Hall of Fame, Dwayne Casey's extension, and what non-Pistons teams will be paying attention to in this year's playoff picture. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that though, you have to follow detroitbadboys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this off-season, off-season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. What's up, Ben?
1: Hey, Laz, enjoying an awesome Sunday made all that much better by the Hall of Fame class that was announced, including Detroit's own Ben Wallace. Laz, that made my day for sure.
0: That was, that was a very fun thing to look down at my phone at on just like a random Saturday and be like, oh, wow, it's finally here. It's awesome. It's great. Why do you think it took so long for Ben to get his recognition?
1: You know, De- Detroit, that going to work Pistons team, right? I mean, it, it never really had the respect of the NBA, in my opinion. Um, you know, they sort of snuck into the finals in some ways. they weren't a particularly dominant team the one the, the year that they won the championship, uh, you know according to a lot of people. But you know, Ben Wallace in particular, just he wasn't a, a flashy scorer, right? Like he just didn't score a lot of points. He couldn't score a lot of points. And in spite of the fact that if you if you ask me, he was one of the most dominant players of his generation, but he did it in such a distinct and unique way that was so different, um, you know, from, from so many of the other players who who dominate our imaginations. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't a scorer. He was an everything else kind of guy. And he, he was just absolutely a dominant presence on defense and on the glass. And I think, look, even still today, I think a lot of that, Still continues to be overlooked um, when we look at even today's NBA champions over the last handful of years. So, you know, he, he didn't score a lot of points, but he did everything else brilliantly. I think that's probably why he's been snubbed for so long. But in my opinion, absolutely deserving and honestly, probably a bit overdue.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely a bit overdue. Right. When you when you look at the resume, right, five times all NBA, four-time all-star, six-time all-defensive team, six times all all-defensive team, and you know, four-time defensive player of the year. Like the the number of people who have won even like three defensive players of the years is so few and uh, all of them are in the Hall of Fame and it's it's crazy to me that uh we we play often basketball is played on offense and defense, right? We acknowledged that this individual was the best player on one end of the floor in the league for like an eight year stretch, give or take. And no, like not in dispute, right? Like everybody knew like Ben Wallace was the best uh, shot blocker, the best interior, one of the best interior defenders and like an underrated perimeter defender as well in the league. And but because defense is undervalued. Relative to offense, it's like his his Hall of Fame you know candidacy was an open question until that question has been resolved recently. But you know to me it's just like this shows once more that how how defense remains undervalued, um, despite the fact that you know it is a it's pro- it's been proven time and time again to be such an important part of a winning formula, which is allegedly like what everything is supposed to be about, right? You play to win the game, but uh, it does not seem like defensive contributions have been as acknowledged as a, as recognized as offensive ones. I don't necessarily know why that is, you know, maybe that's because it's, it's both harder to capture defense in a box score and we've had less practice doing it. Uh, I was reading this thing on the ringer, you know, earlier this week about, um, uh, you know advanced defensive metrics and, and teams you know internally trying to work out you know what what metrics they could use to to quantify good defense and, and really struggling on that end uh, because of what um because of like what good defense creates and doesn't create in terms of like discrete uh, events on on the court but that's that's like a really long way to say that like ben wallace was one of the best players in the league at, at the height of his powers and it makes a lot of sense that that dude is in the Hall of Fame. And it does not make sense that it took this long to get that dude into the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think there's two more points I would add. The first one is there's this narrative about that team, that they were greater than the sum of their parts and they didn't have any true superstars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I, I, I kind of get it, right? I mean, they, they only scored like 91 points a game the year they won the championship, They were slow, grinded out. I don't think they had a 20-point score. I think Rip scored like 18 a game the year that they won the championship, something like that. So they didn't have superstar as traditionally defined, but to me that's because you've defined superstar wrong, I think, as you've just laid out. Ben Wallace was a superstar. He he was absolutely a dominant force. Um, And then I think the second thing is there are statistical arguments that you could make about Ben Wallace – putting him among like the most elite names to ever play the game. And look, you know, there's some people who aren't going to buy into those statistical arguments and I get it, but the thing you can't argue against is how much success that team had. And I think ultimately like when Ben Wallace left, there was never any real chance that they were ever going to be contenders again. He was absolutely the foundational piece of a championship team that really I mean, so close, as close as anyone's ever been to being a back-to-back championship team without getting there, right? I mean, that, that one play where she leaves Robert Ory changes everything, right? So uh, it, he's absolutely, he was absolutely the most important part of it. Um, James Edwards tweeted out a quote from Joe Dumars just today. Um, in it, Dumars acknowledges Ben as the foundational piece upon every uh, upon which everything else was built. And I think that's exactly correct. And, uh, you know, for a team that six straight conference finals, back to back NBA finals and one championship, like the franchise cornerstone of a resume like that belongs in the Hall of Fame. Right. Anyone else would be. Ben Wallace deserves to be. And he's finally going to be.
0: Absolutely. Chauncey Billups has to be next in the Hall of Fame. Right, Ben?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the way I've always looked at that Pistons team, Ben Wallace was the foundational piece of their defense and their, their defense was absolutely dominant rightly belongs in the Hall of Fame for that reason. Chauncey's kind of got that same resume, but he's the flip side of the coin. I always looked at Chauncey as the foundational piece of that offense. Um, You know, the year they won, I think they scored 91 points a game, something like that. They had a net rating of like plus six, which is just stupidly good. And their offense, you know, at 91 points a game, wasn't a show stealer. They were something like 24th in the league in pace the year that they won the championship, the next year they were bottom of the league in pace. So all of those box score numbers gets flattened out as a result of that slow pace. But, I mean, Billups' efficiency was just ridiculous. Um, You know, Rip did lead them in scoring, but, you know, Chauncey was the architect and the cornerstone and the quarterback and the facilitator and leader of that offense. And look, when it was clicking, it was surgical. Like, if you go back and watch the NBA Finals games where they, you know, the five game sweep against LA, um, the offense was just clicking in, in every respect. And uh, you know, to me, Chauncey, when you look at body of work, right? Like Hall of Fame isn't just what you do in the NBA; it's it's about body of work and contribution to basketball. Chauncey obviously has had a successful career as a broadcaster after the fact. Uh, he's getting into you know getting his feet wet in the executive world. If he continues to have success in those realms, coupled with you know, his phenomenal seasons in Detroit. And look, he had success after Detroit as well, right? In Denver, um, you know, he had he had success with that team as well. Um, he's got to be there. He just has to be there. There aren't that many finals MVPs who were parts of, you know, mini dynasties essentially, which is kind of what Detroit was, uh, who don't make the Hall of Fame. So to me, it, absolutely, he needs to get there.
0: Yeah, I I was going to bring up the, the life after Detroit uh, for Chauncey as a, as a way to burnish his, his hall of fame case, because he was definitely still part of successful playoff teams in, you know, in Denver and in, in New York for a, like a very short period of time. Um, and, you know, then he went to the Clippers and back to Detroit and then things kind of ended. But um, the, the, the story of Chauncey Billups, Billups' career um, did not necessarily end with you know six straight conference finals. You still managed to be a contributing factor to some good teams after that. And I think that helps his Hall of Fame case. You also made uh, the great points about the ancillary uh, off-the-floor stuff, the, the contributions as a broadcaster, as a coach, as a front office executive. Um, I, I do think he, he might make it in on, on body of work in time but I do I do also think like we're going to be we're going to be waiting on this one a little bit just just like we were waiting on Big Ben and that's fine like I I'll, I'll wait as long as it takes as long as those guys you know get their their proper level of uh, recognition for what they were able to accomplish like with that team and I will say I think like only, only Chauncey and Ben should probably get in like I I love Rip and I love Tayshon but like those guys were not you know those guys weren't the the heart and soul of those pistons championship teams they were very 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 important pieces but like you laid out ben chauncey and uh chauncey and ben Wallace are what made those teams go and uh it does you don't have to you don't have to acknowledge everybody on those championship teams like the, the team is doing that right like you know all the numbers are retired they're all going into Whatever the equivalent of our <laughs> Ring of Honor is, but uh, the highest, highest levels, like I, I don't think you you have a case on that front.
1: I agree. I think Tayshon Prince's career as executive could turn into something special. It's time's obviously going to tell. Yeah. But if that happens, that's going to be like a, almost like a lifetime achievement award way down the road, right? And it's not at all a sure thing. Um, but you know, like she'd personality wise maybe he belongs in the unofficial hall of fame or something but yeah i don't i don't see it for rip either i think there's an extraordinarily slim chance you know like if tayshaun prince uh, you know architects a team that you know wins two nba championships or something like maybe he ends up there but that's a long long ways away yeah yeah absolutely
0: All right, Ben, the, uh, other big news notice. We're not, we're not going to talk about the team that much. This week (laughs) It's like, who cares? Um, the other big thing that happened though, was, uh, Dwayne Casey got extended. Uh, they added one more year onto his contract. So now he is under contract until, uh, 20, 2023, 24. Um, and we, we had some, some quick thoughts up on the website on, in the DBB on three and something you said in your response, uh, You know, intrigued me, so I wanted to ask you about it. You, you wondered why there was only like a one year extension for, for Casey. And I I wanted to ask you, you know, when you saw that Dwayne Casey was getting extended, you know, initially, how many, how many years did you think he was going to, he was going to get? So I don't know that I had
1: a a year number in mind. It just, it just seemed like one was really strange. Like in some ways it started to make more sense when I looked at the contract sheet. Like if you think about Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay, like the three first rounders from this last season, 23, 24 will be the last season of their rookie contracts. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe that's what they had targeted, but just one year seemed odd to me. I just, I was thinking about, coaching extensions and like what situations and what scenarios, um, you know, result in a single year extension. And I, I feel like it's kind of hard to, to come up with that. So, um, maybe it's as simple as ensuring that those rookies at a minimum have the same coach for the duration of their rookie contracts, but otherwise it just, it was just an odd number. Why one year? Why not two or why not three? Like if you're really committed to Dwayne Casey, one just sort of felt kind of strange and arbitrary, I guess.
0: I I don't know how much longer Dwayne Casey wants to coach, right? He is 64 years old. So when he's uh, three years down the line from now at the end of his current contract, after the extension, it'll be 67. That's a long time to be an NBA head coach. Um, I think, and, but coaches in general don't want to, they, they don't like lame duck years, right? That's, uh, it's easy for players to tune out a coach that they believe like will not be in the not too distant future. And so by extending Dwayne Casey a year, I think they prevent some of that for the next season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Dwayne Casey's he's 64. I don't know. at like a three year extension. He'd be coaching until he was like almost 70. I don't know if that was ever going to be in the cards. Um, I do, I, and like, I think this also gives Dwayne a chance to coach a Pistons team that might actually be good, <laughs> good in quotation marks. But um, I think the the timeline for this team that I think the front office like has in mind uh, insinuates that like they think they're going to be good in two to three years, and they like the job Dwayne Casey did. It seems kind of cruel to. Uh, bring him in to lose 80% of his games for three years and then like, you know, shuffle off into retirement and bring in a new guy to coach the new hot stuff uh, up to like the, the playoffs and and beyond. And so I I understand why uh, the team and Casey would want to give him the opportunity at uh, going out on a relatively high note. Does that make sense? I
1: like that idea. That does make a lot of sense. And I wasn't factoring in his age, which you're, you're spot on. Completely correct about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, don't be wrong. He looks good for 64, right? He
1: does. I don't even think of him as 64. <laughs> honestly, I don't. He's got so much energy too, right? Like he's always he's always coaching right till the last second. So I appreciate
0: that a lot. Yeah, I think I think having young guys helps on that front as well, right? If you if you're 64 and you're coaching a bunch of vets, who are losing this much, like, yeah, that that probably gets old real quick. All right, Ben, uh, and I guess we should probably talk about the actual team that's on the floor. Uh, they have one more game they play. We are recording this prior to the heat game tonight. Um, with a loss to the heat, they will solidify the second best odds in the lottery. Um, they've been playing all the kids for the most part, these last four games, this whole week. Um, no Isaiah Stewart or Sekou Nubuya tonight though. Um, personal reasons for both of them both of them had uh instagram messages or instagram story messages about uh a death like the usual like rip like you know hands emojis type of thing and so i don't know you know i don't know the the exact nature of what that is about but i would i would venture to guess that that's what's being taken care of and that's why they're not playing in the game um like with that said you know uh, what has been on the court for most of this week has just been like a really weird mismatch of young guys who don't know how to space the floor and, uh, and an offense that is like kind of more shifted towards like a, a, spaced floor. And it hasn't been great in my mind for the development of the kids. I mean, how, how have you been feeling about the offense for the last week or so? Ben, I, I haven't been a fan. No,
1: I mean, think about the number of different starting lineups we've seen over the past, what, like three weeks. Then compare that to the number of like nine-man rotations we've seen, the various different lineups that have been a part of all of that shuffling. I mean, yeah, it is, it is tank-tastic. That's the only way I know how to describe it. There's very little continuity. There's very little from like a philosophical or strategic sense that makes sense with all of these guys in and out and on and off of the injury reserve, as you mentioned, not a whole lot of shooting. Um, it amounts to some really ugly losing, which the losing I'm totally cool with, Mm -hmm. but it's felt a lot uglier and harder to watch than, you know, this team that we've seen fighting so hard all season. Like they haven't, they haven't really had a chance in some of these games due to some of that. So yeah, I mean I'm not worried about, you know, what the last 2 weeks of basketball are going to do for anyone's development. I think everyone sort of understands the situation that they're in right now. But ugh, it is no fun at all to watch and it doesn't make me even a little bit sad that <laughs> the last game of the season is just a little bit away from now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the last game of the season uh, a little bit later. But yeah, I'm I hope that even though, like, the these games have very little, uh, like, mattering for them, I do hope that, like, Troy Weaver is still, like, watching these games and seeing, like, hey, maybe we need to prioritize shooting a little bit more, uh, in the players that we try to bring in this offseason and acquire in the draft because I, I like that. That has been a consistent problem for this team. Even when everybody was healthy, they were still relying on the likes of, you know, Wayne Ellington and Frank Jackson coming out of nowhere to be uh, premier three point shooters, um, to, to offer the team a lot of spacing, you know, Sadiq Bay has done a wonderful job spacing the floor. They're trying to get him to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands down, uh, these last couple of games. I don't blame them for that, but, uh, and, you know, obviously we talked about, we talked in the past about Isaiah Stewart shooting threes, uh, but I, I you think you would think you'd want to see a little bit more emphasis on shooting when it comes to roster construction, and I think that that like that needs to be prioritized. And the last couple of games are only uh, more evidence of that in my mind. Um, yeah, it's just the, you you hit the nail on the head, Ben. Though these these last couple of games have been some some ugly ugly games to watch. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you know, like there's so little to take away from them too, from a like development standpoint, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Killian Hayes had some of his nicest moments of the season, but that sort of gets lost in the ugliness to be perfectly honest. And yes, I think you're absolutely right. Like I'm not worried about what these two weeks mean for like individual skill development, stuff like that, but it absolutely underscores the need. Like, especially like with Killian, he's not a shoot first kind of point guard. He doesn't have a whole lot of range to, sort of create his own space for himself so he's going to need some shooters on the floor for him to get where he wants to be as an NBA point guard and you can't I don't think I don't think you can let that fall to the wayside this summer you're going to have to address that
0: yeah yeah and it's i like I think I think if he if you saw him get guys going with his passing a little bit more I think he would be more willing to to take over offensively and be more aggressive as a shooter but because it's difficult to make that happen when you know defenses are collapsing and they're not necessarily worried about uh, outside anybody from the outside hitting them, um, it, you you see that um, that inclination like more towards passing does get pressed on from Killian. I, I, I joked about how like Killian always knows where Sadiq Bay is because that's the <laughs> only guy he relies on to, to make shots, but like it's true, and a couple more of those guys um, would make Killian and. Sadiq and you know player X who they bring in it would it would make each of them more dangerous and amplify like I, what I think they have to offer and so like yeah we'll, they'll I hope I hope they move forward with somebody who can shoot we'll see how that how that goes uh speaking of dudes that they might move forward with then uh I wanted to pose to you an interesting philosophical question that Sean our fearless leader Sean Corp uh copied from another Twitter account um, would you rather have a it's like you have a 50/50 shot, you have a coin flip between the first pick and the sixth pick, right? So 50% chance to get 1, 50% chance to get 6, or would you take a 100% locked in, you are guaranteed to get the third pick in the 2021 NBA draft? Which would you choose, Ben? All
1: right, so clarifying question, we're talking specifically about this team right now, right? Yes. Not like in general? Okay. Yes. Okay. So for me, I'm going for the coin flip. And the reason why is I think if you go for the coin flip and you get six, you find yourself in a really similar position the next season where you still have another chance at the lottery um, and at winning the lottery. I don't, I expect there to be some internal development that's going to help move the needle on wins, but I I just don't think it's going to be hugely dramatic. So If you miss, if you lose the coin flip and you get six, you might get somebody decent, but then you're right back kind of in a very similar position where you're going to be picking in the lottery again. And uh, I think the chance, the 50% chance at the number one pick, um, it's just, I think, especially this year, it's probably more likely to get you a franchise-altering talent than the number three pick would at least this year. That's so. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm glad we disagree. I Ooh, would. I like it. Yeah. I would absolutely take the the third pick in this year's draft. But I think we are we are thinking similarly, just choosing different things. Because I think if if you hundred percent guarantee lock in the third pick in this year's draft, I don't think. I think you're still getting a very good player, but I also still think like uh, you can. You can construct a Pistons team that's still going to win not that many games next season, and you can still try again in next year's lottery and feel good about the odds you will have next year. Right. I, I do absolutely agree that the number one overall pick would be a franchise altering player, the type of player who improves your fortunes to the point where the lottery and lottery placements are less of a concern like this late in the year. But um, the you know, if you if you are still just like picking up good players at three, and you're still constructing a team that can lose a bunch of games, then like that is like that is still a desirable outcome, right? Like that is that's part of what the that's part of what the the process in Philadelphia was about, right? Was getting as many high draft picks as possible and uh, making those and like getting as many bites at the apple. At, uh, at franchise altering talents and so i don't think like the number three overall pick this year shakes up your franchise to the point where you can't lose a bunch of games again next year and that's why i would take but it's still a better player than you would get at six yeah and, and so that that's why i would take the the guaranteed lock-in right?
1: so who do you pick at three
0: uh who's, i mean
1: who's, who's number three today for you
0: d- depends on who's get takes who gets taken at one and two right okay <laughs> like that like that's, that's the thing um and it, it And for the Pistons, it also very much depends on who would be picking in front of them, right? There are, uh, you know, I can, I can. Every team could use a Cade Cunningham. I, I think Cade would go number one regardless of who was picking. But you know, I, you could, you could definitely sell me that there are teams that would take uh, Jalen Suggs uh, second overall. You could sell me that there would be teams that would take Jalen Green second overall. You can sell me that there are teams that would take Evan Mobley. Second overall. And so at three, I think you you are happy with any of those three guys. Um, but I don't think any of those three guys uh, single-handedly change your fortunes so much immediately that you can't, you know, win another. You can't win, you know, 27 games again and try again in the lottery next year. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, Ben. The Pistons thing that is annoying me this week is very small, but... Very annoying. Uh, I was very annoyed that the NBA in their desire to have every game and in their desire to have every team play on the final day of the regular season (laughs) and have every game matter and everything, they moved around the start time of this Pistons game to where it was going to be after we record the podcast instead of before we record the podcast. If they could have only kept the game at one o'clock. We could have finished out the regular season and been done and then done the podcast. And then we would have like, we would actually be able to do like the eulogy and everything. We could end the season on the high note, but no, and the NBA, they strung me out for like another four hours. And now I got to, now we have to wait a whole week until the end of the season recap, stupid Adam Silver. No kidding. So, okay, it's
1: five thirty right now, right? So, right. five thirty on Sunday. I have been gardening and took my kid to the store. And you can cut this out if you want. But did we do we know like who the Heat are going to be playing and resting tonight? Have we figured that out yet?
0: So the, the it was it was up to um, like they could they could still fluctuate in the in the standings at the beginning of the day, right? But the the Knicks won.
1: Oh, they so, did. Okay. Yeah. yeah so
0: the next one. So the four five with New York and Atlanta is locked in. Okay. So now Miami does not really have much to play for. And I suspect we will see the Miami bench crew. I haven't seen the injury. I haven't looked for the injury report yet, but I suspect we will see like the Miami skeleton crew um, versus the Pistons skeleton crew. Plus oh. Mason Plumley. but, uh, but yeah. So, so the but, Pistons
1: could win this. Like that's not
0: it's, cons- it's more likely than it was at the beginning of the day. Aye, aye, aye. But still pretty unlikely, in my estimation. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: they're going to be putting out a pretty disastrous lineup. I mean, it's going to be ugly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Jaleel Okafor will still be prominently involved. And so that always <laughs> that always gives us his chance.
1: Well, isn't Servetus out, too? Like, didn't I see that in the injury report? Like, they yeah. just have like seven guys on the injury report right now.
0: So, and Davidas is like actually hurt. I think he, um, right, like he, he, he scored 16 points in what the second quarter against Denver yeah. and, and then uh, hurt his calf. He got like kicked or something. And he was like, actually, he was on the sideline. They had a decent shot of it on the Bally sports, Detroit feed of him, like, you know, getting uh, worked on by the trainer and like pointing to like where it was hurting. And he looked like he was in, uh, he looked like he took a pretty good hit. So I'm, I'm not surprised to see him. Uh, on the injury report,
1: yeah, they've got seven guys on the injury report, and then the two guys you mentioned, Seku and Stewart, out for personal. So that's nine guys out. I mean, that, that's not much left to work with,
0: yeah. I mean, and and we've seen in some of these games, right, that uh, the, the team, the guys that they have in the starting lineup have worn down, right? Like, we've yeah. seen. Uh, you know, Sadiq Bey's shot gets a little bit flatter in the fourth quarter. We've seen you know, Killian Hayes uh playing like you know 37, 38 minutes a night and how that seems to kind of wear him down. And so, that that also gives me reason to believe that uh, this game is not going to go particularly well from for Detroit, depending on your perspective. But uh, but yeah, this could have all been avoided if uh, we all just uh, if they just kept the game at one o'clock like they were supposed to.
1: Thanks, Adam Silver. Yeah.
0: Was there was there any uh, minor annoying thing that really got to you this week Ben
1: yes it did and uh, it has nothing to do with the current team it has to do with how we started the podcast and, and Ben Wallace and I am I am totally flabbergasted and bewildered and confused by people who get paid to write about and discuss basketball as their primary job questioning whether ben wallace deserves to be in the hall of fame like i don't normally care a ton about like mvp hall of fame whatever but like this particular debate to me obviously i'm emotionally invested in it as a pistons fan that going to work team you know was was just like so sentimental to me like even the thought of it now like oh it's just such a fun team there's so many emotions attached to that but objectively like ben wallace was just so good to think that he doesn't belong in the fame and like the one dude who was on twitter who writes for espn like saying it's it's laughable that he's in the hall of fame like i feel like i have such a fundamental like fundamental disagreement about what causes winning in basketball that I don't even know how to have a conversation about an individual player with such a person, because to me, it's just so obvious that guys who are as dominant at the things that Ben was dominant at, like just control winning. Like, it's just so obvious to me. And it just really annoys me to see people who (laughs) their full-time job is to write about basketball and they call Ben Wallace getting into the hall of fame laughable. Like, I don't, I don't even know. Like I don't even know how to start a debate with someone who thinks like that.
0: Watch the games. (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag watch the games. He's like, you, you weren't with us in, you know, 2002 on broadcast television on exactly. U, on UPN. you got it. Watching these like 78, 74 games where Ben Wallace was just destroying the Hawks randomly. And it's uh, like, and, and without that context, it's it's hard to, it's easy to miss like what made Ben Wallace's contribution so special. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think some of it is the desires. like I think people just don't want to give that pistons team their credit. I think part of it is like we talked about just the the nature of what people have in their heads as as a Hall of famer is more offense centric. And so they do not necessarily want to award uh, players who like their main uh, the thing that made them special was defense. Um, you you see this in people talking about like Dwight Howard's Hall of Fame candidacy, like it's a question, and it's like no, guys, like you know, and Dwight Howard doesn't even have a champ, or doesn't have the, a championship as the focal point of a defense in the way that Ben Wallace does. But like, yeah, Dwight Hall- Dwight Howard's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like that's not it's it's not really uh, a question. But and and you know, Howard was a better offensive player than Ben, but still, it's just like uh, I, I think it's. It just reveals a, a preference that does not look at basketball holistically. And I think that's the nicest way I can put that.
1: Bunch of idiots. <laughs> <The> subtext.
0: <laughs> Watch the games. All right, Ben. The Pistons play. No, they played no one. The season's over after <laughs> today. They, play, they are going to lose to the Miami Heat tonight, and that's going to be that. So in lieu of the schedule... What playoff teams are you going to be watching and adopting uh, this uh, this postseason, Ben?
1: Oh, so it looks like I'm going to be pulling so hard for the Warriors. I think a miraculous first round upset would just be incredible. Um, I know they've had plenty of time in the sun as champions, but like what Steph Curry did this season after a relatively slow start, like just incredible. And to me, watching him play basketball when he's playing well is just so unlike watching any other basketball player. His his skill set, you know, I, I think more than anyone, he has defined what the modern NBA has become more than any other individual player. And to see them in the underdog role, um, you know, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch them. In the East, it's harder for me because I don't really love any of these teams a whole lot. Um, interestingly, I'm going to be paying attention to Washington just because of this late, season heroics from russell westbrook like rediscovering the fountain of youth and becoming the triple double machine that he was a few years ago so i'll be watching them and i still have a soft spot for Giannis. i think he's just such an incredible talent to watch that i will probably be watching milwaukee um and then i i will be half watching phoenix as well so i guess those are the the, the kind of the four teams I'm going to be paying attention to, but I think kind of pulling for golden state um, and maybe pulling for uh, Milwaukee, one in each conference.
0: Okay. You are right in that like golden state is an odd choice, but like this version of golden state is not an odd choice. And so this is, this is like, everyone gets a, a one year reprieve and then next year, uh, maybe they end up with like a top 10 pick and Clay uh, returning and James Wiseman returning. And then all of a sudden they're eminently hateable again. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, for this op for this postseason, like, yeah, I think, I think that's a fun ride. To, yeah, and to I just can't bring game.
1: myself to hate Steph Curry. Like I just can't. He's to me, he's just too much fun to watch.
0: He's, he's extremely fun to watch. I'm going to take, I, you know, you know, I enjoy the stylings of, uh, you know, off-brand Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. And so I'm going to continue watching the Portland Trailblazers um, in the playoffs as much and, and pulling for them as much as I normally do. I'm really intrigued this year by the Clippers. by By every like statistical measure, they should be a championship favorite, but like no one is really afraid of them, and they don't really, uh, you don't see them like pounding on their chests a lot that they're like a championship contender. Either in the in the same way that some, sometimes you see the the Utah guys do or what uh, the Phoenix guys do, and so it's they're just a very like odd collection of dudes who can play a very um, they can play a lot of different ways because of the way the roster set up, and so I'm just I'm just curious to see like what ends up happening there, right? You know, Kawhi Leonard could still be a free agent at the uh, at the end of this year. Can you but, imagine? Wow. Yeah, like it, it could be weird. Weird stuff can happen. Anything's possible. So I will I will just definitely be keeping an eye on the Clippers. And then in the East, uh, I will also be watching the Bucks. I feel we uh culturally aligned with the Milwaukee Bucks even though they uh they beat the Snot out of us 2 years ago. I that's that's too that's in the past. It it doesn't matter anymore. And the the team is entirely different, so that helps a ton. And then I I can't believe I'm saying this, but like this version of the New York Knicks is just, is just a really fun team to watch as a Pistons fan because they defend like their hair is on fire and they grind you out on offense. And uh, they've got, you know, the, they've got the, the harsh tongued coach on Mm -hmm. the sideline, just barking. And it, 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 it really hits my sensibilities as a Pistons fans to watch this this uh Tom Thibodeau Knicks team. And so I'll be pulling for them, especially against Trey Young, who uh is not necessarily as fun to watch as some of like these other point guard uh these other point guards in the league like Stefan Damar. So definitely pulling for the Knicks in the first round. Um definitely pulling for the Bucks in the Eastern Conference and pulling for Portland to just make it as far as as they can with uh with Damon CJ.
1: Yeah, I, that Portland backcourt is a pleasure to watch and I think your call out of New York is interesting like I saw the graphic that was floating around Twitter this afternoon around all of the defensive metrics where New York went from like bottom third to like literally number one in the league under Tom Thibodeau and that certainly appeals to a certain generation of Pistons fans undeniably
0: yeah if uh and you know you don't even have to go back that far if if you think about uh Julius Randle kind of like playing the role of Blake Griffin that team does the have a lot of, uh, you know, 2018 Pistons vibes. Mm, yeah, I I'm can see say that. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ben. Uh, season's over. I don't know what, in terms of, like, podcast scheduling or content we're <laughs> going to do as the season's over, but it was a fun season with you. Uh, let the people know where they can talk to us uh, this offseason.
1: Yeah, Laz, it's been a pleasure. We'll have you know, we gotta do a postmortem, post mortem, right? We gotta do one more mm-hmm. real episode.
0: And then we gotta we gotta do like a dad episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been dad life and you're you're on the way for yeah. sure. Oh man, I set my kids up their first basketball hoop today. So uh stay tuned to to, to Instagram and Twitter for future Hall of Famer, my son who plays like- uh Struggling to put one foot in front of the other still, but I'm telling Rowan you, Rowan
0: Gulker, classic 30, 20, 35, <laughs> yeah. five-star recruit. You heard it here first.
1: <laughs> yeah, at Br Gulker, we'll get some of those dad picks up. And uh NBA playoffs, man, it's where it's at. This is the best basketball in the world. Let's enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at. L A Z C H A N C E. Let me know what teams you guys are pulling for uh, in the playoffs now that the uh, Pistons are like officially eliminated um, from and you don't have to watch them every night. I'll be be curious to see who you guys are interested in and if you share our assessments that, you know, Steph is an insanely fun player to watch and that the Knicks give off big Detroit Pistons vibes. So I'll be curious to hear that, your thoughts on that. Uh, With that, that has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you all for listening. And yeah, we'll talk to you next week. We'll do a postmortem of the entire season next week, a proper postmortem. And we won't forget Frank Jackson this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't forget him because every time I look in the mirror, I see his hairdo staring right back at me. Yep.
0: Yeah, please, please follow Ben on Instagram and look at that picture. Please, I beg of you.
1: <laughs>
0: see you guys next week.